Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Changing the Climate, a show where we talk about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. Brought to you by Climate Change Realty. The only real estate brokerage that donates 50% of its net commissions to 501c3 nonprofit organizations dedicated to fighting climate change. Jeremiah, nice to meet you, man. Pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah. Nice to meet you, brother. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Um, We always love to get the podcast started with a little bit of background on who you are, how you got to be doing what you're doing at the moment. Cool. Yeah. So uh, my name is Jeremiah Bros. Um, I would say I have a lot of experience in probably failing in business, and that's where it's gotten me to today. Uh, This is my fifth business that I've started and the one that probably looks the most promising. Um, so that's a really good start. (laughs) Um, where I got to today, you know, I'd say, I would say, um, as I've gotten older, um, and I, as I've gone through more life experiences, um, I still want to be successful, but the, the idea of success has probably changed. And instead of the money, the power, the prestige, the respect, um, maybe helping, helping as many as I can along the way. So not only trying to hit the outcome of, you know, monetarily being sufficient, um, self-sufficient, I'm going to sweat bills, not having to sweat certain stuff, how to raise my kids, but how do I help and impact the maximum amount of people along the way of which I do it? Yeah, that may have been long-winded. I don't know. No, that was that was great, man. <laughs> how, did, I'm cu- how did you come to that conclusion? Like, what's your background? Where are you from? Like, what were the other businesses yeah. that you were doing that led you to that conclusion? Like, oh, I should probably spend my time like trying to help people rather than just make dollar. Right, right. So, I mean, I started... <clears throat> so, my first entrepreneurial experience was at 19 with a company called College Pro Painters. So, we used to sell franchises along uh, North America. They started in 1972. Uh, I was in Minneapolis and, um, you know, back then I would just work nine to five jobs. And I was, before that, I was like a laborer at a masonry company and, uh, uh, yeah, kind of grunt work. And that was probably my first experience in actually managing people and working with clients and kind of having that pressure. Um, you know, after that first summer at 19, I didn't want to come back. I was like, nah, this is way too hard. And then I saw my bank account (laughs) at the time. I made like 28,000. This was back in 2001 where that'd be like maybe a million dollars now. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I was like, okay, I got to go back. And, and so, so then my junior year, I ended up making even more money and breaking records and, and kind of bought property before I finished college. And, um, you know, started to do some of my own investments and probably learned some of the stuff that my professors at the time never really taught me. And, and that was kind of working hard and being diligent towards something um, to build some assets to then start building some security. So I took a lot of pride in probably how I went about business and my work ethic and putting stuff together. And, and I met a, a woman at 19 and we got married and had kids and had a white picket fence and kind of all these things. Um, and, and then, you know, and, and navigated through some businesses. I was let go, uh, 2008, um, right when this recession hit my productivity dropped in half. I was a, I was an executive at that time. I was a vice president. Um, I think one of their youngest vice presidents and, um, 
and then bought kind of cashed in all my equity and chips and bought two flooring franchises called two covering international flooring. Okay. Flooring. Yeah. Yeah. I had this grandioso uh, idea that home Depot was going to crumble and because of the recession, all these big box stores and heavily, heavy overheaded companies weren't going to make it. Um, I was totally wrong. <laughs> I went bankrupt. They, they totally made it. They had way deeper pockets than I did. Uh, sure. One of the lessons I learned there was borrow money when you have money, because when you don't have money, nobody's going to borrow you any money. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then from, but, you know, they're still thriving. They're, they're, it was a great company, um, great franchisor. I just spent way too fast, grew way too fast, and then got absorbed by another company called Rebath and worked with them. Um, and, and as uh, a general manager on the flooring side and kind of grew the business and had some equity stake. And, um, and we, were, we were trying along, we were doing fine. Um, we were making money. Um, but then as I went through divorce and, and I remember there was this kind of key instance where, um, my ex at the time was going to take my girls to be hundred percent custody. Right. And I was just like livid. And I was like, how dare you? How, how could you take them? You know, I worked so hard and, and I was pissed, but she said, Jeremiah, you were never there when we were married. So what makes me think you're going to be there when we're not deep. And she was right. She was right. So I left, I left those guys. I left the partnership. I gave them all the equity. And I said, I'm going to go door to door and sell roofs. And cause I'm going to show the court system and I'm going to show everyone I, I can be present. I can be there. And, and that one act changed my life, changed my life internally. I, that was the first pivotal time, probably in my life. I stopped putting money and the worry and the concern of trying to make it aside and, and I said, why am I doing what I'm, in, what I'm doing? Why would I do all this if I can't? I already lost my marriage. Why would I do all this if I can't have my kids? And I changed, it changed my perspective. I, I engaged with my kids when I'd pick them up from school. I used to have to write down hours just to prove to the courses and prove to everyone like I'm engaged. And then I slowly started to actually become engaged. Mm. And our relationships grew and we became closer. And, and then... I found myself being just driven more to spending more time with him, being more engaged, like an addiction. Instead of trying to be successful in business, I was trying to be successful as a father. So, and then ironically, business starts getting better. <laughs> you know, business started getting better. So um, when I came into roofing, you know, I, I started door to door. Was this then, your own business, door to door? No, it was a buddy's business out of Kansas City. And, uh, and I called them originally. It's just as like, a, as cause some other roofing companies were like, Hey, we want to, uh, um, maybe employ you. And I asked him for some advice and he's like, Hey, whatever you need to start my company in Denver, you got it. I'm like, okay, just teach me about roofing. Um, so, so yeah. So I started his company out here and, uh, just started going door to door. And, and I remember, I didn't, I didn't even know what drip edge was. I didn't even know what certain components was, but I, what I did know was how to get out there and knock doors. And I would just knock doors from literally 10 to four, go pick up my quintessential kids. skill. That's it. Right. Talking to people, um, taking care of admin in the morning, 
I've yeah, done. I, I don't know if you know. I've done it th- thousands of doors in Boulder as well. Oh, okay. We're what, we're a rare we're a rare breed. Right. We're totally. Yeah. Were you pest control or no, man? Selling or? selling real estate. Selling myself, selling on climate change realty, a, a, a business that never existed before. People, it was a, everyone has a different response. You know how it is. I'm, I imagine you've probably done tens of thousands, maybe at this point. Right, right, yeah. I mean, we're a big door-to-door company now. Um, you know, just with the solar side and what we offer. Um, you know, the coolest thing, and, and you could probably test this, but but we have an internal um, theme messaging maybe within my business called it's bcbu and it's be comfortable being uncomfortable and one of the biggest messages that we try and spread is like look the world's you know there's graces in the world but the world's not meant to be your friend (laughs) like don't get accustomed that like life's easy no make sure you understand like it's a tragedy it's a series of tragedies not when it's going to happen it's just or if it's going to happen it's just when it's going to happen and when it happens now you know what you're made of. Well, so I think I'm a little bit of a naive optimist. I think we might be similar in that sense, perhaps. I, I feel like everyone can, maybe not everyone, but I, I do have this deep belief that like everyone can be your friend. You know, I always I always bring up like Darth Vader was like redeemed at the end of the, of the movie. Like as always, right. if you keep trying with people, like eventually they're going to have tragedy and experiences that change who they are. And if you've always been like this ray of light in someone's life, they'll, uh, I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's, if you, if you have this idea that like, it's impossible to win over everyone, then it is. But if you, if you think the other way around then kind of, you kind of create your own reality. I don't know. One, thank you for sharing, by the way, your background story. I, I really appreciate that. It helps give me a uh, perspective. What, one thing I want to ask you is what are your, your personal perspectives on, uh, regret? On regret. Regret. I personally, yeah. I don't, I don't really believe in like regret at all. I think everything's happened as it is. And it's a learning experience to get you to where you are today. But I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my old football coach always said, there's two pains in life, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Eat your Wheaties. (laughs) (laughs) So um, that's always stuck with me. You know, when I think back about So when I think back about, let's say, not having a relationship that I'd wanted with my daughters because I was a workaholic, well, isn't it ironic that then God kind of opens up these different paths of things happen where I have to now have this, right? So I do believe in a little bit of predisposition that we're kind of meant for this path. Um, If I spend too much of my time or my focus worrying about where I didn't show up before, it's taken too much of my mind space to be present and in hopes for a better me of tomorrow, right? There was a saying that kind of stuck with me is that we learn from our past in hopes are, uh, to be present for today and hopes for the future. So there's definitely, th- there's definitely things I think about where I'm like, dang, I didn't show up there or I wish I could have done better or, um, you know, I wish I would have done differently, but give, give myself a, a little quick five minutes and then get back up and go, okay, I learned from that. You know, and now as I, I can honestly say, as I get older, as I get a little bit older, I stop making let or I make a little bit less boneheaded decisions. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, naturally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But regret, what's your perspective? So your perspective on regret is there is no regret. Like it's right. not, it's not a word. 
here's here's something I want to say, and then we'll start talking about solar and roof and all that stuff as well. No, um, I like it. Yeah, I know. Well, I, we, could, we could go existential for a while, yeah. but uh, you know, not everyone not everyone loves the the deep chats. But it's it's important to give perspective to humanize the conversation. I think it's really really valid. One thing I wanted to say to you is uh, one of my my favorite quotes, and I'll I, you'll you won't I'll tell you who it is after I say it is that the longest moments of our lives are our memories and our imaginations. So I'm really I'm really one who mm. believes that. Um, your perspective is reality. Now that doesn't mean that you don't accept the way things are. And if you see a brick wall, you just keep running into it, hoping it'll disappear. But at the same time, you control the way you see things, which is why I say I don't have any regrets um, at all, because I'm very happy with who I am today, knowing that I'm continuing to progress forward towards who I'm meant to be. Um, Longest moments of our lives, memories are our memories and imaginations. That's a Kanye West quote, by the way. Right, right. Have you ever read The Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle? No, no, I think I've heard of that. Read it, read it. Yeah, yeah, Oprah and Dorison and stuff like that. It's it's a really good book, but like it's the snippets of being present, right? Being present is our presence. Being present is our present. It's like a gift that we can give to the world. When you think about active listening, staying engaged, empathy, um, like holding someone, meeting someone where they're at, holding them where they're at, right? A lot of that focus we can't be preoccupied of, of the memories. We can't be preoccupied of fear and anxiety, right? But to really kind of stay, and that's some of the best gifts we can give someone, but it's hard. It's so hard. Yeah. I tend to subscribe to the belief, uh, the belief that if you believe things will get better, then they will. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, so so how did you, how did you end up in, in Denver? You said you were in like Kansas City. Was that Missouri? Mini, yeah, Minneapolis. Well, Minneapolis. Yeah, I grew up, born and raised in Minneapolis. And then it was with College Pro Painters um, that there was an opportunity to groom to be a vice president or come out to Colorado. Um, and it was in 2005. And they asked me and I said, yep. And I packed up my stuff four days later and moved out. Hard At the hard. time, the, 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 the woman that I was seeing, I was just like, you know, we were in a couple year relationship and I was like, I'm leaving. <laughs> and she's like, what? But then she came out later and we got married and had kids. Um, oh, whoa. Okay. So there's more to the story. There, I mean, it was just a long, yeah, it was just a long relationship, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, and then it was funny because then the president contacted me like seven months later. It's like, Hey, we have an opening for you for the VP position in Chicago. We want you to interview for it. It's a bunch of your ex employees, people you work with, you know, pretty much like, like you got the job. If you just throw your hat in the ringer and I'm like, no, I'm good. He's like, what? <laughs> You don't know anybody there. You have no family. You have no friends. You have no, I go, I know, but I, I have, I've found my home. I'm not going back to the Midwest. Right. Yeah. Fair enough, man. All right. So let's, what's, what's going on with, with the roof industry? Why do you think that so many roofers don't care about their customers? Uh, how is your company different? All that stuff. I mean, I, I, yeah, I bet there's, there's good business owners for sure. Who I think do care about their customers. Unfortunately, you know, in the roofing industry, we get a negative connotation with taking deposits and not performing work and shutting down companies and, you know, storm chasing fly by nights that come in and, you know, horror story stuff like that. I don't know if it's really that bad. Um, I do think customer service is uh, an essential part of um, business. I think if a lot of businesses solely rest their laurels on just customer service, like we're the best customer service. They'll probably be out of business soon 
because the way technology is moving, it's like tech's going to take over probably customer service. <laughs> and, um, but so I think about real value proposition that we have to offer. You know, when I started this company in 2017, it was the last time I was broke, um, it was to get out of roofing. I was like, I'm not going to be a roofer no more. Those guys are crooks. Um, those guys, but <laughs> I was like, I'm going to sell solar to roofers and, and teach them how to capitalize on some tax law that overlaps with insurance proceeds. And I had this whole model worked out that was going to be the best handed value proposition to customers. And then we had this massive storm in 2018, 17, sorry, uh, two weeks after I started my business. So I put my roofing hat back on and knocked over. Hailstorm. Yeah, hailstorm. I was there. You were here. Yeah, right. 17, May 4th is 7th or May 4th is 17th. Oh, wait, maybe I wasn't here. But then, then there's multiple, I guess. I mean, 18 was good. Like, we, Wait, no, no, I was here. I was here. I was here. I left for Australia in July of 17. So I was there like when that hailstorm happened, all the cars that, got destroyed. That was the biggest storm we've had, like 2.8 billion because yeah. such big hail dense over Denver. Um, so anyways, put my roofing hat back on and, and, and start basically started roofing, started roofing again and grew the business on the roofing side. You know, it wasn't just until probably this year. So we'd sell some solar, we'd sub out the installs, but it was this year that we were looking, we were way behind in our numbers. And I looked at our backlog of solar and I said, either we have to fire some of our full-time people, or we're going to have to cut out some of our subcontractors and start installing our own work, which we did beat. So now we install all of our own work, which totally changed the game and our value proposition now to both roofing companies and homeowners and even solar companies. So we'll do some installs for other solar companies. We do installs for roofing companies for sure. Um, and we do our own shingle, steel, and solar installs for our customers. So um, what, what I found kind of in in down numbers was kind of looking underneath the hood to figure out what we're really good at. And, and that customer service part does kind of show through, but probably figuring out complex situations and going, okay, we can figure out how to do our own insults, right? We can figure out how to employ people. And then we set up a, an apprenticeship with the city and county of Denver. We're only the second solar company to actually set up an apprenticeship with the city and county of Denver. Um, and we started another company to help people through addiction recovery, where we actually coach them, mentor them and build what's called recovery capital. And then we employ them. So we're huh. employing people kind of going, going through second chance opportunities and we slide them into an apprenticeship program. We set up with the city and County of Denver. What made so, you become interested in something like that? I think, so I recruited, hired and trained over 650 salespeople in my career. And I've helped a lot of people start their own businesses, helped a lot of people get back in careers. Every now and again, I'll get a voicemail, you know, from somebody that I mentored or, or helped five, six years ago and thanking me for a gift I gave them a long time ago, but never realized it was a gift at that point. And so I, and that for me, that's a currency that I like. I like that recognition that I like that thankfulness. That's a currency for me that I really enjoy. Um, how could I give some of my gifts to a segment of the population that may need it more? I think it's those that have more to lose and those that really 
are like, hey, I want to build back. And, and so I connected with a buddy. I was actually <clears throat> mentoring him first in his business. He has recovery homes. And then he wanted to join business ventures together. And then we brought in another partner, uh, Monica, who's, who's now holds all of our licensing. And we're going to make an impact. Oh, yeah. Deep impact. Have you yeah. ever heard of uh, City of Refuge? City of Refuge? No, what is that? It's this awesome thing out in Atlanta. I heard it. it's like my favorite podcast I've ever listened to by Simon Sinek. He interviews this guy, um, Bruce Deal, who started this um, nonprofit. Essentially, it, it's a it's like a building. It's like a it's like a giant service where like the most um, disenfranchised people can come. And essentially, like it's like a model for like people who have never had anyone like believe in them where you can always continually have someone come back and like, so they're drug addicts, homeless people, people without parents, like all like the, the you know, the lowest of society that everyone, you know, this, this idea is like, Oh, they're, they're beyond help. Like city of refuge is this place where they give you food and shelter. And there's, it's, it's a faith-based organization. And they're constantly saying like, no matter what happens to these people, they continue to believe in them. Again, coming back to that idea, the Darth Vader thing, like nobody's beyond redemption. It's never too late to continue to grow and go back to be a better version of yourself. That's my favorite um, podcast I've ever listened to is, 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 yeah. is by Bruce Steele. That's it. That's yeah, man. It. See, there's a, there's, a, and, and I believe, you know, because of COVID, because of this um, more kind of the society is becoming more fractioned, mm-hmm. like we're, we're just more divisions, more, there's going to be more aggression. There's more blame. There's, there's going to be a lot of this, right. And along with it will become addiction, abuse, mental health issues, stuff like that. So I feel like maybe a calling or just people of my responsibility and the blessings I've had and the education, the mentors and the people who've affected my lives. I could give it tenfold to a segment of the market that, that really wants it, that really needs it. Mm-hmm. Right. And if we can employ, and if we can employ in renewable energy, right. Like there's, there's this whole cycle of, of gifts. So are you, you're selling mostly to like consumers then, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we sell mostly to consumers residential uh, right now. Um, we do have a contract with a large oil uh, oil and gas company um, out of Canada. They're buying a bunch of uh, stuff in America. And so we have contracts to try and um, turn convenience source. So in the oil and gas industry, having a good green face of solar, renewable energy um, on, their, on their front. We're opening up two other states, Washington and Arizona. Um, opening up shop there? Yes. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I brought in a business partner and he's got assets in both those states, both people, equipment, customers. Um, so we're going to start merging under the energy advantage name, you know, and the idea down the road, what I see is, so we play in this kind of, you have roofing, you have solar, right? Uh, roofing guys will sell solar are interested by solar until there's a hailstorm. Then they're like, no, <laughs> I'll stick to roofs. Solar guys are so busy right now. They don't want to engage in roofs at all. Like just stick to solar. We play in this gray space right here. And, and, and we have a model that can prove not only, you know, um, we doing both jobs, but a higher ticket job, right? Good margin. 
And, you know, if they put on one of my roofs, let's say, so an ideal roof is no more shingle tear off. When I took my green roof professional certificate, I found out that over 6% of all landfills nationwide are asphalt shingles. Right. And when we have, That's insane. I know 6% of all the landfills are asphalt shingles. And so we have, don't, exactly. don't those yeah. only go bad every like 20 or 30 years? I, these shingles are supposed to last 50 years. Plus they're supposed, to, they're supposed to last 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what happens? Like you get hit with hail, the shingles are compromised. Well, when the shingles are compromised, the insurance companies say, Hey, you got to replace that roof. Cause if you don't, we're not going to insure the house. Mm-hmm. So the insurance companies make their money back. Shingle manufacturers are making money for sure. Hand over fist. And the roofers are coming in like, yep, you know, you need us. We, we got to replace it. All the while the homeowners premiums are going up in that area and our landfills are just getting bombarded with shingles, right? So we came up with, and, and when I started in roofing, I went to a number of different recycling plants. They're all out of business because they couldn't, they had contracts with the roads or for the roads with the city, but they couldn't get the impurities out of the asphalt when they grind it up, nails, metal, stuff like that. So recycling is an option. So we came up with an option to install what's called stone-coated steel. And you can see it on our website and you can see videos of us doing these installs, but we put this, this steel on top of the shingles that looks like shingles comes in four foot sections. We screw it in. um, And then we put solar on top of the steel. So this stuff's warranted by the manufacturer up to baseball size hail. You never have to replace it. It's recycled hundred percent recycled metals. And the cost difference between an insurance claim of shingles and steel, right? We, we control some of that Delta by putting on solar. So that way they get a federal tax credit, not only for the solar, but for a little portion of that roof as well, because they combine the two together and it needs to be done. So that in that perfect scenario, there's no more demolition of shingles right? There's an absorption of the Delta over steel and shingles because of solar and the federal government will pay it. And boom, now the customer doesn't have to worry about that again. Dang. So um, do you know what the, like the lifetime is for, for that steel? Will it like rust over like a certain amount of years or how yeah, do they need to replace that? Nope. Nope. And if they do, we'll take care of it. No problem. It's got like 11 coats of of anything from polyurethanes to aluminum oxides to, you know, granules, uh, repel UV rays. It actually cools the house down, right? Asphalt shingles will absorb that sun and actually hold that heat in the asphalt metal. This doesn't, it actually repels the UV rays and cools the house. So what other like products are on the market for people's like roofs would be just the other option is like, just replace the shingles with the same old shit or like, is this, is this like the best, the best like option out there right now? Are there other options? I, I know another guy who's like selling roofs who I was talking to, he was doing sales and I mean, you could have options from like a few thousand dollars to like tens of thousands of dollars to replace your roof. So I don't right. know too much about it. So for, for the average, I mean, you always have these outliers. If somebody wants a slate roof or, you know, like, yeah, we can get pretty granular copper metal plated turtle shells whatever. Um, but, but for the average consumer, it's usually just shingles, right? They don't, they don't come out with a ton. You may want to upgrade to tile 
but um, like your heavy concrete tiles, you usually need to have a structural engineer come in, stamp it to get the city permit. And a lot of times the, the attic cavities are not made for that kind of uh, load, right? So then there's even more cost there. Um, this product's actually lighter than shingles and you go over the top. Now there is another product that, that is a uh, polymer like synthetic called F-Wave that's supposed to be resilient up to two and a half inches of hail as well. The only downside is you can't do a layover. You have to pull all the shingles off. So it doesn't, it may solve our problem of not having to replace the roof again in the future, but it doesn't solve our problem of dumping, right? And the landfills. That's why I think this steel layover with solar is the best option for any residential homeowner out there. On the commercial side, a flat roof is called, you know, a TPO or an EPDM roof. Instead of pulling that product off and replacing it, I always recommend doing a coating. There's coating products out there. It's like paint that we put on, but it, it, it warrants, and it's like an epoxy, it's thick, right? And it warrants up to like 20 years leak-proof warranty. You won't have to touch it for 20 years. You, you emboss the roofing substrate. As long as the roofing is good, if the decking's bad, there's rot and there's leaks, stuff like that, you may have, you let it go too far. You need to replace that stuff. But you replace it with these coatings. And here's how we put solar on. There's solar modules that are bifacial. That means they collect on the top, they collect on the bottom. Well, when we do a coating on a flat roof, it increases what's called the low transmissivity rate. So the reflection rate and your TPOs are white TPOs. TPMs are like 0.67 to 0.70. These coatings start at 0.92. So they have a higher reflectivity rate that, and if you do bifacial modules or panels on the top side, it actually collects more sunlight, therefore creating a better energy output. Again, no waste in materials, a higher bang for your buck, when you're going to renewable energy of coatings of solar um, and, and usually faster and less invasive to get done. So when you're talking to your customers, are you finding, let's talk, let's focus on the residential side for a second. Okay. Do you, do you find that most people are interested in just uh, you know, getting the, the steel roof or are they actually going forward with the solar as well? When <clears throat> that's a good question. When they get steel roof, that consumer is typically more interested in adding solar on top because that consumer has already made a commitment to like stop going through the rigmarole. They've they made a commitment to like I don't want to keep going through five more claims, right? I'll make a small investment now. And when we show them adding solar, not only can you know reduce their energy bills, help cool the house, stuff like that, but actually help absorb some of that price increase between shingles of steel because you're overlapping a federal tax credit with, um, with the insurance claims They're like this pencils. Mm. So we've actually constructed models to show side-by-sides right now. The consumer does have to just do a little more research, like understand some of the more moving parts. And then there's like, okay, this is a no brainer. Other consumers are just like, look, I just want shingles. I just like, I don't want to think about this, you know, and then that consumer I mean, will replace shingles for right now. My hope is someday we, we get big enough. We don't have to rely on shingles and then we can fully really uh, blossom into, I think the roofing exteriors company we can become. What, what, what would that mean? The roofing exteriors company you could become meaning like you're making like solar roofs or what? 
an extremely energy efficient home. Yep. And, and think about our carbon footprint. If we can do, if we can upgrade the exteriors of, let's just say your roof covering and solar without doing any demolition, no tear off. Now, if, if the roof's got, you know, three, four layers of shingles or whatever, and I have to, I have to tear it off, right. If we got to fix some of the bones, but a lot of these roofs are like one layer, they just got replaced five, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Right. That layer can now be an underlayment. So, so now we're doing, we're doing a replacement of the exteriors, a, a facelift, if you will, without harming our landfills, you know, replacing, just replacing a home with all led lighting drastically reduces energy consumption, educating the consumer on that. We're starting to come out with some software, um, that, that will help people understand their load loss inside their home where they're losing energy when it's time to upgrade to energy efficient appliances. Um, when it's time, when, if their, if their solar modules, stuff like that need a cleaning, because when they clean, they get a burst of energy, right? Um, when it's time to maybe look at new windows or other energy loss items and then how to start planning for it. Right. But the idea was if your house emits, let's say X in energy loss, what if we could get every home to be X minus 20%? Do you have any ideas on how we could do that? Like scalably and effectively? Yep. Yep. One, let me replace your, let me put steel on top of your shingles. <laughs> That's a huge one, right? You're at it. If I increase ventilation in your attic cavity, the attic cavities in Colorado, a lot of them I've seen, they don't, they're not properly um, ventilated. And I think a lot of roofing companies would agree. So one, um, fixing the ventilation where you have proper airflow through the attic cavity of your intakes, your exhaust allows your central air unit or your whatever air conditioning you have during summertime to not work as hard. Right. And then we encompass it with, like I said, with steel that repels UV rays. So instead of absorbing that heat into the home, it's actually repelling it off. So now if your home, let's say generated during the summer, you know, uh, let's call it a thousand kilowatt hours of energy use by doing just those two things, I may have reduced it down to 700. And now we switch all your lighting from your regular, you know, light bulbs to led lighting and reduce it down to 500. Do you and guys then, do this, do this stuff? Yeah. Your company? Sure. I mean, we can, but yeah, I also yeah. like, look, just go to Lowe's. I'll show you <laughs> the light bulbs. Right. Right. Pour yourself a glass of wine and start screwing in light bulbs. Um, my goal, I don't need to monitor. I don't, I mean, I don't want to make money on everything because then I think it kind of, it kind of spoils what we're trying to do. We're trying to be stewards of how to live a cleaner life and leave a better footprint, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and we don't have to break the bank and we don't have to really, you know, spend a ton of brain anguish and, stuff like that to figure us out. We just need somebody we trust to guide us a little bit, give us some good advice and go, yeah, okay. I could. Yeah. Do, do you think we need like, like everyone to understand how the energy efficiency works in their home? Or is there just a way to like have a service that just like kind of does it for them? And you're like, Hey, you were at not net zero anymore. And now we've come in, here's the price, here's the government subsidy. Now you're at net zero. Just don't do this. I'm trying to just, you know, I'm trying to elevate solutions to these issues and try to get them to, you know, accelerate as quickly as possible. That's, that's where I'm at at least. So, so they're, they're trying, 
Excel Energy is trying mm-hmm. for sure. Um, you know, they've made a commitment to be 80% renewable by 2030 and 100% by 2050. Um, even even, you know, I get emails with PowerPoints they put together of my personal home usage. Uh, they start to have a, 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 a buying mart essentially on like their website where you can buy LED light bulbs and offer this product. And they're trying for sure. Um, the government is trying. And those are your two biggest entities that are probably going to have change from the top down. Utilities and governments? Utilities and government. Yep. Yep. We see it in solar. Like solar is going to be heavily regulated here, I'd say in three years, three or four years. That's why we're getting a lot of conglomerations coming together. We're getting, you know, price point driven down. Um, and there's going to be some changes in production of material too. But um, so, so they're trying, you know, but really we got to have it driven from the bottom up. Like somebody's got to care. They got to care. You know, um, it's funny when I knock doors, you know, you kind of get like all walks of life. Totally. From people that make so much money. And I'm like, do you pay this amount of energy? Like, I have no idea. Right. And I'm like, okay, so you probably really don't care. <laughs> I have no idea what I pay in bills. I'm like, dang, that's pretty nice. <laughs> right. We're, um, and then other people that are subsidized right now by the city for their energy bill or subsidized by Excel for their energy bill. And they actually make money on it. Right. Cause they just don't make enough income. So then if, if everyone had just this little iota of careness or like they cared or they want to make a small difference. And let's say everybody went and planted one flower or one tree or something that changed out um, carbon dioxide with oxygen. And then let's say everybody changed maybe one LED light in their home once a month because they cared just like that much. Mm-hmm. Right. And then let's say, you know, I was thinking about it this morning. It takes me like 30 seconds for my water to turn hot right? Like to clean the dishes, this and that. And I used to like, just turn it on full blast. And I bet you I wasted three gallons of what? I don't know. Right. But I found out if I actually just turn it on a trickle in the same amount of time frame, it turns hot. Right. Little things like that. I'm like, okay, that's a little 1% of caring, just 1% of caring a day. If people understood that message and then mixed with, I am capable of change, like, like, okay, my 1% can make a difference and they understood that um then we'd see some real change yeah no no argument there um so so you're knocking doors in denver yeah i mean we're denver thornton arvada um uh yeah all over the place we might so, set up in boulder that i mean they we get they get plenty of door knockers in here i could tell you i could tell you that um, <laughs> yeah i heard they love it <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I wanted to see, um, yeah, those obviously those little things make a difference. Do you, have you found that people are, they might not know what their bills are, but are they interested in creating positive impacts when it comes to like climate action or this kind of stuff? Have you found the most of people you talk, cause you're obviously you're coming in, you're talking about replacing their roof, but you're also talking about solar. So you've kind of got the same thing going on as me. It's like, hi, I'm a real estate agent, climate change realty. It's like, hi, I can help you sell your house, but you know, climate change is a thing. Are you finding most people are kind of tuned into this or, or, or like what? You know, yeah, it kind of depends where they're at. Some people are just maybe trying to figure out how to eat. Totally. Right? Some people are just trying to figure out like, dang, I don't even know how I'm going to pay my mortgage. I don't even know how I'm going to pay. So, so those people, like, if you think about like maybe Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right. There's mm-hmm. 
So you always have a subgroup or a group that's like just trying to figure out how to survive. And, and for those people, it's just probably not top of mind yet, yet. But now it's like they figure out how to eat and they figure out how to survive and they have some safety, right? And then they want some connection. And then, you know, um, so they kind of climb this ladder of like, okay, now maybe in a, in a space where I can make a difference. Um, you know, I tell some of my sales guys, like as men, as men, as we go through, you know, like, you know, in our twenties, we're just like trying to figure out where our penis is. That's it. And in our thirties. Have some ideas. Yeah. Have some ideas. Yeah. I think that's there. Yeah. We're in our thirties. We're trying to figure out, um, how to make some money. Right. And, and what, like where we sit in this world, but then in our forties and as we kind of get older, we're, we're trying to figure out how to create more impact and purpose. Right. And then things start coming kind of full circle. Now we're probably open to um, climate change and we're open to uh, donations and we're open to charity work and we're open to planting. We're open to this stuff, um, even though we haven't hit maybe our financial objectives, but now we're just open to it. So maybe meeting people where they're at. Yeah. Well, there's there's a huge uh, emphasis in like the whole environmental movement to uh work on humanitarian issues along with it because it's so uh directly connected and i've tried to find a way to stay like rigidly in the the for profit like business space because that's what i like really understand and that's simple to me but the fact of the matter is it's too many things like connected together and then what you said about maslow's hierarchy and then so if yeah no i think you're i think you're bang on man like if once people aren't worrying about if they need to, you know, make it to by tomorrow, they can start thinking about higher level ideas. And that's obviously as a college educated person from like New Jersey, from a, a you know, a upper middle-class family, that's why I'm able to do what I'm doing now. Uh, so you can't necessarily impose saving the world on someone who can't even figure out what, if they're going to eat tomorrow or not. So that's a, a really good point. Um, right, right. And, and the other thing I'd say too, is don't write those people off, right? They're the most important piece in the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Those who have come from nothing, those who have strived to fight for what they have, once they have it, I think those are, those are the people that, you know, will give it forward tenfold and they'll understand and they'll empathize and they'll, they'll really connect, you know? Amen, man. Jeremiah. Good, good having you on the show, man. Um, <laughs> my last, yeah, my last question is just advice yeah. for someone who's interested in starting their own business or working on like a passion project. You know, um, I would say this, there's, there's a ton of ideas. I think the world's actually flooded with ideas. Um, but uh, uh, action is everything right? Uh, I think somebody told me once thought without action is a daydream and action without thoughts a nightmare. So that balance of putting yourself into a plan and um, putting down ideas and bringing in partners and putting that stuff down, takes it's important. But what if there's just a little bit of daily action each, each step of the way when you'll figure out these hurdles as you get there, right? Um, so, and don't over borrow. <laughs> I'd say start off, you know, start off bootstrap. I, just from my experience, starting off bootstrap, making the business work, 
you know, we have no lines of credit with this business. We have no loans. We have no nothing. We're in a very good cash position. And, and that was part of one of the lessons I learned on my fifth business. It's like, I'm not borrowing. I'm not borrowing from anyone. If it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. Um, but that was one of the, we don't even take deposits when we actually do jobs for people. We don't take deposits because we got to make sure we can deliver what we promise. Um, I think that's really important. So that, and then I would also look at like, there's monetary gain in everything you do, but there's a lot of models coming out now of like ESG, uh, triple bottom line, totally uh, right. Where it's social uh, and, and, and environmental um, and you can make money. Right. So I'd always encourage people to add in some of these, take their ideas of brilliance and add in a social component. How do you help humanity add in a sustainable component? Right. How do we make a difference and, and preserve kind of what we have? And, and then you'll get you'll get backing by other people. There's a lot of money on the sidelines right now. Um, they're looking for those ideas. Yeah. Well, I appreciate what you're doing, man. It's, it's been nice talking to you. Thanks for sharing everything. Uh, I hope the business continues to grow. You make these roofs more efficient, you know, and keep encouraging people to, uh, I don't know, be more like aware if they, if they can manage, you know, if they have a little bit of extra brain space, like we could use their help a couple, like you said, if everyone plants a flower, we'd have a pretty garden. Right. You got it. I love it. Yeah, man. All right, everybody. All right. See you next week. All right, brother. Take care. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Changing the Climate. Here at Climate Change Realty, we don't just donate 50% of our net commissions to fight climate change. We also donate a full 50% of our real estate referrals. So if you or anyone else you know is looking to buy or sell a home anywhere in the USA and would like to create thousands of dollars in donations without any cost out of pocket, please visit ccrboulder.com today.